It didn't take long for Grambling defensive end Sundiata Anderson to show that he belonged at the East-West Shrine Bowl. And through the first three days of practice, he's been consistently stealing the show. Oh, yeah. It's locked on, HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And of course, you need to remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And if you're new to FanDuel, you get $150 back in bonus bets when you make a $5 bet win or lose. We wrap up today's episode with a look at James Cozy's first big task for the Florida A&M Rattlers now that he's head coach. But we kick it off with a little bit of East-West Shrine Bowl talk. I'm there, so I wanted to give my firsthand um, observations on what I've been able to see on the three HBCU players who are there. Anim Dakwa, you have Mikey Victor, and you have Sundiata Anderson. We'll look at Dakwa and we'll look at Victor in segment two, but we'll kick it off when you're looking at the star of the trio. It's unquestionably Sundiata Anderson. And he has stole the show. Every single small school prospect goes in with the same mission. Hey, I want to show that I belong amongst, quote unquote, higher competition, right? That is the big mission because you often hear, well, it was the, it was the talent that you played against that got you to production that it got you. That's the mission to show that it's not true. Sundiata Anderson is well beyond proving that it wasn't a product of talent level or competition level he's shown that he belongs with the big dogs and he's also stole the show I think that he has looked absolutely phenomenal and he's jumped off of the field every single day of practice now as I say in my intro TSU Herald Sports Editor a former TSU Herald Sports Editor and now contributing writer at Saints Wire I took this third day of practice to be able to look a little bit wider, right? Right, widen my scope because I do also have other obligations. But Sundiata Anderson for the first two days was a guy that, man, I I essentially didn't leave the side. And it wasn't difficult because he looked great amongst a team or a group of players who also looked great. That's the important thing to look at here. He's on, and they're gonna keep ah, I got the roster. G would kill me because I always get it wrong. Okay, he's on the West. Sundiata Anderson is on the West. The West defensive ends are probably my favorite group in the East-West Shrine Bowl. 
So this is important because Anderson is there with a guy like Solomon Bird, right? You have a couple of twins from UCLA, the Murphy twins, Grayson and Gabriel. I think that they're really good. They've shown things as a unit to be very impressive. You can't look at that unit and not think of Sonniana Anderson. You just can't because he's performed at the same level of those as those guys. And like I said at the beginning, that is the mission. I want to look at the three players because you can feel his production. You can see his production. You can hear his production. And the feel is a little bit hard to say because it's a feel, right? It's like a certain, it's just a certain feeling that you get from how you watch them and how people react. But when I hear people react, they're always speaking glowingly and I'm seeing what he's done. So it's almost a situation where I'm seeing it and then the hearing and the feeling are just confirmation of what I'm seeing with my own eyes that I'm not being biased. Because when I look at three particular plays from him, there is a, and these all came on day two, but it was all in the team portion. You had tackle for a loss on the very first play, right? And that was one that got people so amped. You seen two coaches run on the field and he was just, it was just a sign of what he's done all practice and they have a run portion where they just are running the ball and he typically lines up on the side with a with a tight end and a uh, an offensive tackle he fights through his blocker whether it's the tackle or the tight end consistently and he has the discipline to get down the line of scrimmage right so the ability to burst through the line but then the discipline to not run too far upfield so it, it's really well done and on that first play he showed it the guy's aggressive he has good hands. He knows how to discard blockers. Sunday Otta Anderson has shown everything he needed to in this uh, three days of practice. And I think that the run support is probably what he's shown the best, even though I posted some of his one-on-ones on, on Twitter and they were good too. Um, then you have stunt a stunt that led to a sack and it showed his athleticism. It showed his ability to bend, to be able to change direction. Right. So these are things you need to look at. I'm not saying that he's having five sack games or anything, but there are certain traits that come from these plays that I think is something to pay attention to. Then you look at the last play of the same team portion. All of this happened within a I think I think it was a 12 minute segment and he's a starter. Right. So he starts. Um, then you have a batted pass at the end where he wasn't able to get there, but he still got his hands up. These are all things that I believe that you need to look at. And to be fair to the other two, I do believe that Anderson has a slight step ahead because of the position he plays. His ability to jump off the field is a little bit greater at defensive end than Donkwe is at tackle and Victor is at defensive back. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit at the top of the next segment, but it does speak volumes to me. And I want to make sure that I, I really hone this in. This is a, excuse me, this is a really good group that Anderson is a part of. The, the West team's defensive ends are a strong group, and they've all performed at the East-West Shrine Bowl. Anderson is right there on par, and there's guys from UCLA, guys from USC, right? These are big schools, and he's right there with them. And by being able to say that, Sunday out of Anderson has checked the box that every single small school prospect wants to check when they go to an East-West Shrine Bowl or a Senior Bowl. They've shown that they can hang, and it's not a product of the competition level. He's done that and more.
and I've broken down the three plays that he was able to do that really showcased it in one team section. And he even got the coaches fired up running onto the field. Like we have to remember this. They are running onto the field. I'm hearing people talk. I'm hearing agents talk about him, right? Not that they're going to bring him up. He's spoken to 25 teams. I And I think that number only went up because that was after the first day. It's here. You could see it. You could feel it. You could hear it. Sunday out of Anderson is still in the show at the East West Shrine Bowl, but he's not the only one that's performing well. I want to get to the other two players. You have Dunkel out of Howard and you have Victor out of Alabama State. And I want to say the things that they've done well because they've taken some steps as well as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and the Super Bowl is coming up, but you got a week off. I can't wait to see what FanDuel does for the Pro Bowl, which is this weekend. That'll be something that's interesting for me to see, but in the meantime, you have NBA games, right? We've seen a bunch of players go for crazy numbers. I've seen Carl Anthony Towns do it in a losing effort. I've seen that. I've seen Luka do it. I've seen Booker do it. Um also in a losing effort, but I happen to like books, so I didn't want to take that shot. But overall, you see these guys going for crazy points. I mentioned Embiid and Luca, so you've seen these guys go for crazy points. Who's going to be next? That's something to look at, and you can put some money on FanDuel. All you have to do is go to fanduel.com slash locked on, and if you think you know who the next person is going to be, go ahead and put some money on that team. Go ahead and put some money on that player. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And if you're new to FanDuel, you get $150 back in bonus bets, no matter what, with a $5 bet. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on Sports Today. It's a great initiative that we have here at the Podcast Network, and it's the first of its kind 24-7 sports podcast stream on YouTube. So make sure you check that out, Locked on Sports Today. Any time of the day, go ahead and subscribe. Now, I want to continue on the path of the East-West Shrine Bowl because Sundiata Anderson isn't alone. The Grambling defensive end has stole the show, but you also have Howard offensive tackle, Aneem Donquin. You also have Alabama State cornerback, excuse me, Alabama State cornerback Mikey Victor who are out there, and I think that they've shown some really interesting things. I, I kind of briefly spoke about this at the end of the first segment. The reason I feel like Anderson has a leg up in the jumping off the field department is because of the position he plays. He plays defensive end. You don't really have to have a trained eye to see a defensive end jump off the screen. You don't really have to have a trained eye a lot of times to see what a defensive end does well. It benefits you and you can be a smarter, you'll be able to pick up on smaller things because of it. However, I don't believe that in order to jump off the screen, especially in one-on-ones, it's clear, right? It, it, things are just more clear there. Also, as a defensive end, he has a position that's based on a small amount of good plays. If a defensive end makes three sacks in a game, he had a really good game, even if it, the rest of his plays weren't that good. Really good game. If an offensive tackle allows three sacks, doesn't matter if they dominate the rest of the game. They didn't have a great game, at least to us, right? Like, that's how we're going to look at it. Then defensive backs... 
they're a special case. I don't even want to get into them, but they're, they're kind of weird. But basically, corner, offensive tackle, people are waiting for you to make a bad play. Defensive end, they're waiting for you to make a good play. That's how I'll phrase it, right? Um, so that's what I mean when I look at it. But I, I thought that I had a conversation with Donqua after practice number two, and it was it was one about offensive line play. And I told him, look, I'm not going to come on here and speak out of turn. I'm only going to come on here and I'm going to speak about what I know. And we end up having a good conversation about offensive line play and things that he looks at, uh, things he places a value on. I was there with Coach G. We talked about it. It was all three of us having this conversation, right? So I was able to be put on a little bit of game that I felt like, all right, let me come on here and speak about certain things because he spoke about his process, Donko's process. And it was interesting to hear about the chemistry factor because you see it. In, on the pro level, think about your favorite team. You've seen a time when a, a player goes out on the offensive line, they're replaced with their backup, a fellow professional player, and the chemistry is off to a point where the offensive line, which is a five-man unit, just replaces one and it changes drastically. That's about, or that's that's with players who are professionals and have played on the same team throughout this whole process, their chemistry is still shaken up at times when you remove one key part of the unit and you put somebody else in. It doesn't even have to be a key part. It could be a guy that you don't even think is that good, but they have chemistry. These are players who have never maybe even met. They've never played together, yet they come in and they got to build chemistry. Day one, it wasn't great. Day one, it was about comfort. And he was talking about how he's six seven. Like the guy is huge. He's a mammoth of a man that's not a offensive tackle that people are probably used to coaching a lot. He talked about how he has to do certain things because of his size. He talked about how they had him on the right side because, you know, they're going to try you in a bunch of different places um, if they can. Some guys have the versatility. Some guys don't. Some guys, they know this is where you're playing, right? Um, but along the offensive line, they might want to try you on different sides. They had Donquil playing on the right side. He said, man, I haven't played on the right side since – beginning of high school and the steps are different. So it's, it's just little things like that, trying to figure it out. I haven't seen him in the last two days of practice playing on the right side. I just haven't. So it, it was things like that. And I saw it. I saw the comfort in one-on-ones that he elevated. I didn't think day one was great for Donkla. I thought that day two was much better. And I thought day three was about the same, but maybe a slight step up from day two. This player, for me, has had a really good progression throughout the days of practice. You've seen it in individuals, right? You saw him trusting himself more in one-on-ones. You see his, his team chemistry is better. And with the team chemistry, you see it went from absolutely none on day one. Then it went to them playing a little bit more as a unit in day two. And now day three, they look fast with it. It's almost like they trust each other now. They didn't trust each other before. I know how you want to step. So when we're doing a block on the set, when, we, when we're doubling a guy and then I got to peel off to the second level, I now trust you more than I did day one because I know how you operate. I know how it feels when you're ready for the pass off, right, or, or things of that nature. And I told Donkla, I said, look, man, I ain't going to come on here and make no fool of myself talking all about offensive line play. I only talk that which I know. So now it's time for me to move to Victor because offensive line is not my specialty. It's not my specialty. Victor, Victor, 
I'm I'm upset with how they're handling him because he's deep in the rotation. So he doesn't get as much run. He's at a deep position. I also like the East uh, defensive backs. I don't like them as much as I like the West defensive ends, but I do like the DBs on the East side, right? Specifically the corners. I don't feel like he's gotten enough time to genuinely shine. That's how I felt about Victor. I think that with the limited moments that he's had, he's done well, but I do not believe that he's at the proper time to really showcase everything that he's about. Now, with that being the case, with that being said, he also hit the jackpot with the limited time that he had. The scouting report on him is don't go deep on Mikey Victor. You don't throw those kind of routes on Victor, right? Those are the routes that I've seen them throw at him more often than not. He had three deep balls in the first two days in one-on-ones. Once again, I kind of spread my, my scope in day three. So I wasn't able to just hone in on Victor Donkel or Anderson. I seen a lot of them in the uh I seen a lot of them in team, but not as far as individuals because I was doing my Saint stuff. But in day one and two, I seen a decent amount of deep balls. Make it this way, or to, to let's say it this way. Imagine you had a random test of skill. Somebody said, We're gonna spin a wheel, and whatever it lands on, you have to do that. And then each time they landed on something. It was your best skill in a time when you're trying to prove yourself. That's what happened with Mikey Victor. Like, I didn't, I don't think that he got enough reps, my personal opinion. I don't think that he was, I don't think he had enough time. I wish he would have had more time to showcase himself. But he got limited opportunities, and it was him doing what he does best. So that was great for him because now it's gonna say, all right, let's go to the film because you're putting up a good showing. Cause hey, don't throw deep passes on me. I got too good a, a long speed and team portion. He showed his understanding of zone coverage properties, right? Like, and I think they had him playing a good amount of cover too, but they had a little bit of man mixed in there. But overall, he had a good, good day because when he was tested and he never got thrown at in team, I've yet to see a ball go his way in team. Um, and that's whether he had lockdown coverage or if the receiver had separation, they just haven't thrown his way. Um, Cause they've been doing a lot of shallow stuff, to be honest. I think anyway, um, where was I going with Victor? Okay. So Victor, he's, he's shown everything that he needed to. And also he's just doing what he does best. So now he's proving himself on a stage that will now lead people back to his personal tape throughout the season. So I, I think that this has been a really good process for him because, Hey, I'm putting up the, the right thing that you want to see. Now, as we move forward, we're moving away from the Shrine Bowl, and instead we're going to go to James Cozy, and that's Florida A&M's new head coach. And they are he specifically, but they have an interesting first task ahead of them over the next week. But something he said in his press conference interested me or pulled interest in me, and I want to I want to reveal that to you as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical, and Jace Medical is perfect for the unexpected. Maybe you weren't aware, but you probably weren't because you can't predict everything, that this was going to happen. Whether it's natural disaster, you stuck in the house. A lot of these, these uh, convenience stores, they don't have the medication. With the, Jace case, with the Jace case, you get five antibiotics that are meant to treat over 50 infections. That's why I call it the just-in-case case. 
because no matter what's going to happen, you're there. Your antibiotics allow you to be proactive. Do I want to go through this? No, but I want to be prepared just in case that I will. So I would tell you to go to jacemedical.com. That's jacemedical.com because they'll give you those the Jace case and you can also personalize what extra things you want to add on to it. So all you have to do is go to Jace Medical. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Now, today is kind of the beginning of the James Colsey era. We we discussed the hire yesterday, but now we're looking at the first major task that Colsey will need to have. And this is interesting because this is something that he said in his press conference. He said Rodney Hill is back in the fold, right? And Rodney Hill is the former Florida State running back who transferred to Florida A&M. He got a lot of flack for his decision from Seminoles fans, right? He backed out as soon as Willie Simmons was gone, right? As soon as Willie Simmons is gone, he says, I'm opening up my commitment, right? I'm opening up my recruitment, excuse me. So when I'm looking at Hill, he kind of represents all the guys who decommitted. And I don't know if it's a lot. I really don't know if it's a lot, but he represents all the guys who did. He represents the recruits that were on the fence. He represents the guys who were just indecisive in general when it comes to whether or not they wanted to play for FAMU after uh, Willie Simmons had left. I would assume when you say back in the fold, that was a very bold thing to say. I would assume back in the fold means that on National Signing Day, he will be a Rattler. Not we're back talking again. That's That can't be what back in the fold means. Because if it does, you should have just kept that to yourself. I think it's a, I think it's something a little bit more bold than that, which I think it just means he's he's back, right? And that's good. But he also mentioned that hey, we haven't lost that many people. And it feels that way. It feels like you haven't lost a bunch of people. Now that the coach has been hired, it feels like all the panic, from my point of view, it feels like all of the panic around FAMU was overblown. Cozy said they've lost a player or two. Now, one of those guys is Gentle Hunt, and he was the first one, and that was a big deal. But overall, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't feel like you've lost a lot of people. Why does it? Why have I been doing that? I think what it is is when a guy like Willie Simmons leaves, you assume that he's going to leave and a bunch of people are going to just leave, right? But I don't think that happened. I can't think of these big guys. Of course, some people left. But I can't think of big names that left. You had some coaches. You had the, uh, I think it was director of recruiting, uh, went, the guy who went to uh, Colorado. I don't want to mess his name up. But he was one of the guys who left, and it felt like a big deal. Ryan Smith was connected to a job. Then he said, no, I'm not going anywhere. We'll see what he does since he was a name on the uh, on that list. We'll see if he's able to stay or what he, what he decides to do but 
overall, it just doesn't feel like a lot of people left. And maybe that's a, you know, a compliment to FAMU that they built a brand where people wanted to wait. But overall, it feels as if people have been patient. Doesn't feel like it's a lot of decommits. Doesn't feel like it's a lot of people in the transfer portal. Feels like a lot of people wanted to wait and see what was going to happen. And then you kept it in-house. So the the sky never fell out, right? Like it, it was never falling. That's what it feels like. However, the first big task for Cozy is going to be establishing what is your um, what is your recruiting class going to look like? Fam, I don't know what FAMU's recruiting class is going to look like. I can't predict it. I will say it. I will. I would say it's not going to be great. I would say it's not going to be great because you did just make this hire a week before. That should have some sort of impact. But I don't know if it's going to be bad. I think it might just be an average class. I think that might be what you see because, hey, you didn't have a coach until a week before signing day, but you kept it in-house so those who are on the fence are more likely to still come back. This is going to be the first task, and that's why I'll be paying attention to what Colsey's first recruiting class looks like, even though I'm not going to judge him too harshly because he just he still did just get the job. So these are things to look at. These are the tasks. These are the players. I'll be back next week with some sort of East-West Shrine Bowl recap. I think Gerald Huggins, Coach G, would, and, and I are going to try to get something done over the weekend once he gets back and situated at the crib and whatnot. Some sort of recap on what we saw on the East-West Shrine Bowl. So I, I look forward to, to getting that to you. In the meantime, in between time, though, tomorrow we will be looking at South Carolina State. Somebody did ask me about that. We'll be looking at the Bulldogs men's basketball team. At this moment, I just recruited. I re recruited what? I recorded too early to know what happened all around the MEAC, and I think that's an important part of what South Carolina State has done recently. But they've had two really big wins over North Carolina Central and Delaware State that I want to take a look at on tomorrow's episode. So in the meantime, in between time, to next time we hear each other family, take care, stay blessed, peace.